Welcome to Healthline 3, I'm Jade Belexa. Today we are discussing orthopedic surgery. That is the branch of surgery dealing with the musculoskeletal system. And joining me now is Dr. Kambish Shardar. He is with the Orthopedic Clinic. And remember, you can call us at 318-219-4569 to talk directly with Dr. Shardar. And doctor, thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. This is a great topic. And tell us, what is the definition of orthopedics? Orthopedics, the definition means straight child. Mm -hmm. So pedics is like pediatrics and ortho means straight. Mm -hmm. So that's just the branch of medicine dealing with broken bones. When a child would break their bone, we had to make it straight. So that's the, where the name comes from. Interesting, interesting. I'm glad I asked you that question. So what are some of the most common orthopedic surgeries that you deal with? Uh, I do mostly hip and knee replacement. Mm -hmm. And it seems like most doctors kind of have a, a specialty, yes. right? Yes, yeah, in orthopedics, most doctors are gonna be specialized. We have uh, like some that just do hand or upper extremity, sports medicine doctors. Um, you'll have uh, orthopedic oncologist, and then uh, pediatric orthopedics is a totally different branch as well. Um, and spine surgery would be another branch. Okay, good to know. And is it possible to have joint replacement surgery and go home the same day? I know, I know that's something that, that we wanna talk about today. Absolutely, yes, yeah. This is a big, big deal going on now. How does that work? What we do is, uh, basically it's something that if you were to look back in history of joint replacement, we started doing those in the US in the 70s and uh, Back then, when someone would have surgery, they'd be in the hospital for five to seven days. And just gradually over time, we have been able to get patients home sooner. When I first started here over 20 years ago, uh, patients would stay in the hospital five nights. But I would tell them, you're gonna be in the hospital for five nights, so they, that's what they planned on. And then over time, we would just tell them, you know, uh, they would ask me, how long will I be in the hospital for? I said, about three nights. And sure enough, they would leave by the th after the third night. So. A lot of it has to do with what the doctor's telling them and what they expect, but now we're getting patients home the same day, which is just amazing. But there's a lot of studies that have been done on that, and it shows that there's a lot of benefits to patients getting up and walking on the day of surgery and going home. Mm-hmm, so that's really important to, to do, to go ahead and get up, even with something like a hip surgery? Absolutely. Really? Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about that some. Absolutely. So, so walk me through what happens when, when a patient comes in for the hip surgery. How long does it take? And do you use a robot to do the surgery? Sure, I'll go over in that with you. So usually we see all the patients that we're doing the elective hip and knee replacements on, they're coming through our office and we'll evaluate them. And, and the majority of them, we're trying to treat them conservatively, you know, with medications, injections, therapy, uh, stretching exercises. Surgery would be the last option. But once it gets to a point where someone is unable to do their activities of daily living, go walking, travel, fishing, whatever they like to do, and they can't do those things, and they wanna be able to do those again, if they're a good surgical candidate and they're healthy enough to withstand the surgery, then that's when we schedule the surgery. Mm -hmm. So the surgery, when we do, for example, the hip surgery, the hip surgery is done um, with the patient laying flat on their back. We use an x-ray machine during the surgery that guides in positioning of the implants. It takes about 30, 40 minutes to put the implant in, and it takes another 20, 30 minutes to wash it out and close it up. Three to four hours later, they're up walking. 
of course, that's not everybody. You know, if, if we're doing someone who is very frail or they have other medical problems, it, it, they may not do that. But a good proportion of them are up walking the same day and can go home. Uh, now, if I have patients that come from out of town, we'll keep them overnight. But if they're within 60 miles, we'll let them go home the same day. Okay. That's pretty incredible that technology has come that far that, oh, yeah. that people can people can get up and, and start walking, um, but they, they have to take it easy still, right? Well, actually what I tell them is for the first six weeks, no manual labor, no mm -hmm. pushing, pulling, lifting, but I want them out walking. Mm -hmm. So the day after surgery, they have to go out and walk 300 feet twice a day. And every day I tell them to kind of double that so that by two weeks they're walking half a mile twice a day. The patients who actually go out and push themselves and do that when they come for their two week visit, uh, most of them are walking without any assistive device. No walker, no cane, nothing. They just walk in two weeks after surgery like nothing really happened. <laughs> and I bet they walk in with a big smile on their oh, face yes. too. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Many of them are very happy. they feel so much yes. better. That's correct. And then what if they have to have the other hip replaced too? How, how, does, how does that work out for them? That happens sometimes when you're, we're evaluating the patients and both of their hips are completely bone on bone. And uh, so the recovery from the first one is not as easy because the other one is the one slowing them down. So once you get that one, the first one done, usually I always tell the patients, you'll be the one to tell me when you're ready, but we wait a minimum of six weeks. That allows their blood count to come back up and a lot of different things in their body to kind of neutralize or get back to normal. And then after six weeks, usually most people can tolerate another surgery and another anesthesia. And then that's when you can do the other one. But then once they get the other one done, then they're really, you know, moving. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that is so wonderful. Um, what's the differences in the, in the surgery for the knee replacements? The knee replacement, traditionally, we used to say that it's harder to recover from a knee surgery than it is from a hip surgery. But with the knee surgery, with the technology that we have now and the different types of multimodal analgesia, we're getting patients home the same day as well. The hip, because it's covered with so much tissue around it, uh, people don't tend to hurt as much as a knee. The knee is right under the skin, and when the skin nerves stretch, they feel pain. So, and there's going to be swelling with surgery anywhere you do it. So, so traditionally, knee surgery hurt more but I'm seeing now that that's not necessarily the case. I'm seeing people recover with a knee replacement like hip replacement patients recovered. And I'm having them show up at two weeks without a walker or a cane as well. Uh, so it, it's really amazing. We do do the knee replacement with a robot. And I think most doctors in the community are using some kind of technology when they do a knee replacement. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. And if you guys have questions, make sure you call in at 318 219-4569. The lines are open, so we want you to call in and ask whatever you want when it comes to orthopedic surgery. And tell us, who might be a candidate for the same-day joint replacement? Oh, that's a very good question, yes. Not everyone's a candidate. Um, I have patients in their early 80s that are able to go home the same day, but that's something that they were asking for when they came for the office visit. But usually if they're, uh, you know, over 80, I would keep them overnight. Or anyone who has any pre-existing heart problems or, or diabetes or if their renal function is slightly elevated, I want to monitor them just to keep them overnight. Um, but other than that, if they're motivated and they're healthy and they want to go home, we'll send them home unless they live far away. But uh, if they're local or within 40, 50 mile radius, I'll let them go home the same day. Mm -hmm. That's pretty incredible, um, just how far things have come. Are there 
Are there age restrictions? Yes, I, I would say, you know, once they get over 80, unless they're real motivated and they planned it in advance, I, I would tend to keep them in the hospital overnight just to monitor them, make sure mm -hmm. they get well hydrated. Are there risks associated with the same day surgery? That has been looked at. They've done a lot of research into that. The, and, it's, and they have proven it's as safe as staying in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Some studies even allude that it might be even safer because you're not in the hospital <laughs> where you can catch an infection mm -hmm. or, or other things like that. But um, the biggest risk that I have seen is that if somebody were to go home same day surgery and once they get home, they're not keeping hydrated. Then what will happen is they'll faint. They'll call the ambulance. Ambulance takes them to the hospital. They'll get pumped with two bags of IV fluid. They feel better. Then they go back home again. But that's the only two things I've seen happen was two patients where that happened. Mm -hmm. And we were talking earlier about just how common the hip surgeries, the knee surgeries are. Just how common are these? I mean, you oh. had some statistics earlier. Uh, myself in the past year I did in one year over 500 hip and knee replacements and across the United States I think it's getting close to about 800,000 a year are being done in the US so it's a very commonly performed procedure and in the community there's a lot of doctors who do it as well mm -hmm. and insurance covers these type of surgeries right oh absolutely yes mm -hmm. yeah most of it most of the patients are going to be Medicare age so they're 65 and up that's who we do most of the surgery on but sometimes there might be someone in their 40s or 50s who's bone on bone and their life, if they don't do something, is basically going to be, you know, something where they're not functional. Mm -hmm. So they're basically stuck with getting that surgery at an early age. But it changes their lives for the better. Yeah, it sure does. So what do I do when, when I get home from the surgery? If a, if a patient goes home the same day, what, what are the expectations? Oh, that's a very good question. So what we try to do is try to help the patients prepare for it ahead of time of what to expect afterwards. So some of the things we tell them is to stay very well hydrated, avoid tobacco, avoid alcohol products for the first six weeks that can affect the healing. And then uh, we also tell them to uh, walk, you know, 300 feet twice a day. Every mm -hmm. day try to double it so they're walking half a mile twice a day by two weeks. And then we also try to get them to prepare ahead of time in getting their prescriptions filled that they're going to need postoperatively. So we give them a whole bunch of different medications to help with the pain, prevent blood clots, and prevent infection. So they'll get a prescription for an antibiotic. Uh, three medications for pain. Two of them are non-narcotic and one of them will be a narcotic. We try to tell them to avoid the narcotic pain medicine that's only for breakthrough pain. There's a lot of problems that can arise from using narcotic medication. And then uh, there's going to be a blood thinner that we prescribe. It could be either something like aspirin or if they have any history of blood clots, we'll put them on something stronger, which will be a more stronger oral anticoagulant or it could even be a little injection they have to do. Yeah, and like you said, it's a good idea to get all that stuff ahead of time so yes. you're not trying to drive around and get it after, after mm -hmm. the surgery. That's right. Okay, and we have Randy on the line right now. Good afternoon to you, Randy. What is your question? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to up my steroid shots in my knees, and I'm asking... Uh, I was asking, uh, I'm up for knee replacement. I 
But, but how long do you have to stay off your feet after you have the surgery? Okay, thank you so much for the question. I'm gonna give you some information. If you're getting steroid injections into your knee for your arthritis, that's appropriate. We try to tell people to not do that too often, maybe once every six months. If someone's in a lot of pain, maybe once every three months. Whenever the time comes that you want to have the surgery, you wanna wait at least three months after the last injection before you have knee replacement surgery. Uh, and be sure that your doctor is keeping track of that because if you do a knee replacement too soon after a knee injection, there's a higher risk for infection later on. And you definitely do not want to have an infection in your new knee. So once you do get your knee replacement, you, we don't really want you to stay off your feet. We want you out walking. So we tell people the day after surgery to go out and walk 300 feet twice a day with a walker. Um, we don't want you to have the surgery and go home and lay down on the couch or lay in bed. That's the worst thing you can do. Exactly, right after surgery, the same day of surgery. Hopefully, they get you up walking. You can walk. We want you to. You will be able yeah, to. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did, my boss was asking me that, and I've been having this uh, arthritis for some time. Every three months, they do the steroid shots. And that helps out a whole lot. Plus, I use the Astro Cream with lanocaine in it. Yes, sir. Well, rub, rub on my knees, and that helps a whole lot, too, And when I sleep. Yeah. yeah, I'm a welder. I, I do a lot of walking around the shop. Not, not, not a whole lot of walking, but I'm on my, le on my feet throughout the day. So, a doctor asked me if, uh, if I'm a be up for knee replacement and I said I don't know I, I want to get a question how long can I stay off my feet and if if, if that's good I'll, I'll walk on them as long as I can you know as, as I can you know yes sir yes yes so we basically encourage patients right after surgery to get up and walk now we don't want you out running or jumping nothing extreme like no, that no no I, I won't do that yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And most people are going to use okay, a walker or crutches or a cane at first, you know, because it's going to kind of hurt to put weight on it. But that pain is a good pain. It's a pain that you just had from surgery. So do not back down from that pain. Just keep walking through it, and you're going to get better. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, that's what I wanted to know. Exactly. You just answered my question. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, so the walking really helps right yes. away. And helps to prevent complications. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. And can you talk more about those steroid shots? Because I've heard that um, sometimes there can be um, complications with those. You shouldn't get so many of them. Exactly, yes. The car, the if somebody does have any cartilage in their knee or their hip and we inject it with a steroid, the steroid can actually damage the cartilage. But when someone is in a lot of pain and they need something done, we do that to give them some relief. Steroid injections have a very unpredictable result when you give it to someone. Some people can get a shot and said I had relief for an hour or a few days. Other people can get an injection and say it lasted three weeks, three months, six months, or a year. Mm -hmm. So everyone's different. And it's very unpredictable who's gonna get what. Um, but the steroid injections, if you do them repeatedly, the, it's shown to damage more cartilage. And then it, it can create a problem where if someone has surgery, 
they can even develop an infection later on. So that has been researched and they have done studies finding patients who had joint replacements who got an infection and then they looked back and, s and started finding out how many of them had had an injection and what was the timing of the injection with the surgery and they have associated the injection with then developing an infection when they get a joint replacement. So that's something that we're trying to ask the patients, when was the last time you had an injection? Well, you're going to have to wait at least three months before you can have surgery. Mm. All right, we have another caller on the phone. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. Who am I speaking with? This is Freddie. Hey, Freddie, what is your question for Dr. Shador? Well, I just wanted to tell you, I look at you every day. You always look so pretty. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. What um, is your question? I to okay, I wanted to ask to tell the doctor a statement first. I was a professional dancer, and I danced most of my life with big people like the Ohio Players or OJ's Temptations like that. And then in my 60s, I was still dancing, and both my knees went out at the same time. I had surgery 20 years ago, and they put titanium in my knees. Are they still using titanium now? Because I, I left the hospital the next day, and I'm still dancing. I have never hurt, ever. I've never been to therapy or anything. What a blessing. Yeah, that's great. That's a great uh, testimonial you just provided for the success of this surgery. So we do sometimes still use titanium. Most of the implants are either titanium with or without cobalt chromium. So yes, they, they still use titanium in the knee replacement. At the time I got it, they were not using titanium. And this young doctor had just come to town and he was out of the first patient he used it on. That's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. I thank you so much. I always love to answer. You are such a nice doctor, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to the host. Thank you, Freddie. I appreciate you. Have a nice day. You too. You too. Yeah, so tell us more about titanium. Yes. Most of the implants for knee replacements, they, they can be made of titanium or cobalt chrome. Cobalt mm -hmm. chromium is harder, and... Um, and the titanium is more bone friendly. So the cobalt chromium, usually we're gonna cement those in, but we're using implants that are uh, without cement now in some patients, and those have to have titanium on the surface so that the bone grows into it. And then uh, something else that's very interesting is we, we screen all of our patients and ask them if they have a metal allergy. So if they have any history of a metal allergy, like with their earrings or the mm. watch, if it's stainless steel and they get like a rash, then we don't use a cobalt chromium. Then we have to have them bring the knee replacement that's completely titanium. And the completely titanium implants, because it's a much more pure metal alloy, there's no trace elements in it like tin or nickel. And those are usually what causes an allergic reaction is, is metal that has tin or nickel in it. So by using an all-titanium knee replacement, it's less likely to cause a allergic reaction. But, but I will say this, having an allergic reaction to a knee replacement is extremely rare. It's not something that's common. Hmm. Wow, so interesting. And we have Barbara on the phone now. Good afternoon, Barbara. Hi. Yeah, I wanted to talk to the doctor. I, I had a knee replacement about nine years ago on my knee. And now my other knee is in worse shape 
than mine was that I had done. And it's getting where I can't hardly walk anymore. And I'm falling a lot. And I got a lot of pain in my uh, left knee. So just for clarification purposes, so your God-given knee is the one giving you problems and the knee that has already been replaced is working well for you? It's given me a lot of problems. Which knee? The one when that... When I went to... Yeah, I went to a doctor and when I was having trouble with it and they said the parts aren't working right. And then I haven't got to... Nobody has called me or anything. And yeah. I, that's something I got to have something done where I can walk. Right, yes. Yeah. So if you had a knee replacement and now that knee replacement is having an issue, that needs to be addressed by the surgeon. And they have to do tests to run on to see if there's any kind of loosening or infection or a problem with it. And if there is a problem that they can identify, then they can correct it. And that would be called a revision surgery. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry you're dealing with that. Yeah, because I have got to get something done because I'm 74 years old and I'm not ready to give up on anything. I'm not, I'm trying to say I'm not letting it get me down, but definitely call your doctor. Far. Call the surgeon so that they get you an appointment so that you can be evaluated. I, I'm afraid that because he didn't do it right and I'm afraid to go back to him. Okay, uh, Barbara, th thank you for for your question. Um, what if she wanted to get a second opinion? Oh, absolutely, Could she yeah, do that? yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. If she calls our office, we'll we'll get her in. Okay, what is your phone number? Three one eight seven nine eight six seven zero zero. Okay, all right, that sounds good. And tell us where you're located. I am located uh, right next to Willis Knight Piermont Hospital on the corner of Uri with Burt Coons. All right, that sounds good. Okay, uh, Kara, are you are you there? We have another caller. Question. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Um, um, Doctor, can you tell me um, what what would cause a person to need a knee replacement? Thank you so much for the question. Uh, yes, ma'am, that is a very good question. Usually what happens is as some people get older, they may develop arthritis in their knee. And what that means is that when the cartilage starts to wear down and bone touches on bone, you're gonna have pain with every step you take. So uh -huh. that could be one reason. Another reason is if somebody has some form of arthritic condition that could be like rheumatoid arthritis or some type mm -hmm. of inflammatory arthritis where they have joint pain. Uh, and then, but ultimately the arthritis is gonna do something to your life that is gonna change your life, not in a good way, in that it's gonna affect your ability to walk, go shopping, go travel, go places, even do things like clean your home, you know, do your activities of daily living. Once you're being hindered and it's affecting your quality of life and, you're, and you don't wanna deal with that pain anymore, then that's when you would be evaluated to determine if you're a candidate for surgery and if, if that surgery would be successful for you, the, the surgeon would be able to tell you. So is there anything pe people can do to try to avoid having knee and hip replacement at a certain 
you know, age. Absolutely, yes. We tell people to avoid, you know, if someone has joint problems, we tell them to avoid running or jumping as a form of exercise. That can mm -hmm. exacerbate uh, arthritis. Things that you can do for exercise that are non-impact would be like a stationary bicycle or the elliptical or anything inside a swimming pool or water therapy. Uh, you can also work out at the gym with weights, machines, all of that are okay. As long as you're not doing any high impact running or jumping. I also tell people mm -hmm. to avoid uh, the Stairmaster. Uh, that's bad for oh, your okay. knees. Uh, you know, that I tell people don't do that. That's not good. Or, or if you do a treadmill, don't do the treadmill with a, any type of incline. It has to be completely flat. Uh, that incline also puts increased load on your knees. So we tell people to avoid that. And then, so what do you think about running stadiums? Uh, like, sorry? you know, running a stadium. What, 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 is, what do you think about running a stadium up and down the stadium? Stairs are. Is that you mean like terrible for your as knees? A, as a form of exercise or because you're going to go yes, watch a game? Sir. No, for, as a form of exercise, laps oh. up and down the steps. I would not recommend that, no. Oh, my gosh. No. Okay, well, um, you've been very helpful. <laughs> Thank All you right. so much. Thank you. Okay, bye bye. Yeah, I've always heard running is bad on your knees. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, a lot of people do it and they never get a problem, but mm -hmm. some people, you know, I think that impact over time can cause some uh, damage. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, yeah, so it's something to think about when, you, when you're doing the exercises. Um, what age should you maybe stop doing those kind of high intensity, high impact? You know, I'd, I've never been asked that. Uh, that's a good question. Because um, I know, know it's something like maybe I was doing the running in my 20s and mm -hmm. maybe I'm, I know in my 40s here I'm kind of kind of doing more walking instead right. of the running. So Yeah, I would definitely avoid the high impact. I, I couldn't tell you the age to stop. <laughs> uh, and I'm not telling people not to run. I'm just saying if you have a propensity to develop it or if you have joint pain, you, you probably should avoid that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I notice my knees are not so good when I try to like squat down. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But that could be made better with quad sets. Okay. You know, like with therapy or if you did it at the gym, did the quad sets with the machines. Oh, okay. If you help strengthen your quad, that will help you be able to squat better. Okay. Yeah. Those are some good tips All there, right. doctor. Thank <laughs> you. Okay, so we have time for some more questions. If you guys want to get uh, another question in, these have been some, some great questions from our callers, so we appreciate you guys today. Um, so um, we have about three minutes left. Um, what if something happens when you go home after the surgery? What, what should you do? We tell the patients that, uh, you know, if there's any problem or concern, not to hesitate to call us. When they call us, we have an answering service and they'll notify one of the doctors and they'll get back to me. Um, or if something happens at the home when they go home and it's something where it's more critical, they need to immediately call 911. And uh, that way they'll be taken to the hospital. Mm -hmm. But that's very rare because the patients, when we're doing the surgery and determining who can go home, we screen them. So if, if we feel that someone may have a problem, we, we wouldn't let them go home. Mm -hmm. So like after the surgery, even though if you plan to go home the same day, we tell everybody, once we're done with the surgery, we're going to get you into the recovery room. While you're in the recovery room, if you're doing well, you're awake, alert, moving everything, we'll then transfer you to the day surgery department. 
while you're at the day surgery department, if you can eat and drink, if you can void, go to the bathroom, get up and walk with a the therapist, your blood pressure is not low, you don't have any nausea, and you feel confident we'll send you home. But if anywhere along that line, anything happens where you don't have confidence or you're nauseous or you're vomited or your blood pressure is a little bit low, which is not unusual after surgery, we will admit you and keep you overnight. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't ever want to rush someone home because uh, we don't want them to have a problem. Mm -hmm. We want them to have a safe recovery. And, and you want someone to drive you after the surgery, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, any other tips before we before we let you go? You've, you've gave us some really good information. The biggest tip I can give to everybody is to make sure to always have calcium intake or see your doctor about your calcium for your bone density. The bone density is so important as we all get older, you have to make sure you maintain bone density and the calcium. So you have to go to your primary care doctor, have them do a bone density test and make sure that you're keeping up with that because that's a big problem as we all get older is if we fall, you can break your spine, your hip, your wrist. Those are very common fractures in elderly. And that's something that is treatable or, or preventable if you maintain your bone density. Is that for men and women? Men and women. Okay, because we always think women, yeah, but men, men get it too. too, yes. Okay, well that's excellent advice. Thank you, Dr. Oh, Chardon. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, it's been, it's been a great show. And thank you guys for joining us for this edition of Healthline 3 and Orthopedic Surgery. We're going to put it on our website if you want to watch it again at ktbs.com. And we'll have another edition of Healthline 3 later on this week. So make sure you stay tuned and have a great day.